G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. As we do on a Tuesday, always good to get some insight into what is happening in one of those so, so important parts of the world. Because, as we know, God is not finished with his people, the people of Israel. So each week we do an update on those breaking news headlines that are coming out of Israel and the Middle East. Ron Ross has been scouring the headlines overnight. Back with us again today. Hello, Ron. Welcome back to 2020. Thank you, Neil. Ron, let's start with the headline about Egypt continuing its mediation between Hamas and Israel. Uh, What is the news headline talking about? Yeah, Hamas leader said on Saturday that its officials briefed Egyptian intelligence officials about Israel's slow-paced implementation of the ceasefire understandings reached earlier this year under the auspices of Egypt and the United Nations. The announcement came amid reports that Israel has offered additional measures to ease restrictions on the Gaza Strip, which has been under a maritime blockade since Hamas took control of it in a military coup in 2007. According to Arab media reports, the talks discussed the internal Palestinian reconciliation between Hamas and Fatah, the bilateral relations with Egypt, and the continued calm with Israel following the accidental killing of a Hamas security officer last week, which was followed by rocket fire on Israel's south. Hamas official Ham al-Tawate told Palestinian newspaper Al-Quds that the Israeli proposal included options for various easing measures, such as promoting the entry of medicines and medical equipment into Gaza, returning fishing vessels seized by the Israeli Navy, and an increase in the number of permits for the passage of merchants and workers to Israel from 3,000 to 5,000. In addition, it was proposed to permit the passage of goods that were forbidden to enter until now due to the use of terror activities and to increase the number of trucks transporting goods to the Gaza Strip. The statement said that the Hamas leaders stressed that Israel understand that the Gaza-based groups won't accept anything less than lifting the blockade on the coastal enclave. Be interesting to see how that develops. It's always complicated and it's always ongoing. Let's draw attention to the Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu in the headlines. A complicated political system they have in Israel, but the headlines, Ron, the Prime Minister set for political longevity history. Yeah, Netanyahu will become Israel's longest-serving Prime Minister, passing David Ben-Gurion next Saturday. Ben-Gurion served 4,872 days from the establishment of the state in May 1948 
until 1954, and again from November 1955 to June 1963. Netanyahu's first term in office lasted from 1996 to 1999, and his current term began on March the 31st, 2009. The next longest-serving prime ministers after Ben-Gurion and Netanyahu are Yitzhak Shamir, Yitzhak Rabin, and Menachem Begin. The shortest was Ehud Barak, who was forced out after only 610 days in office. Let's turn some attention to the connection between Jesus and Judaism because, as we know, the Jewish religion observes the Old Testament or what we call the Old Testament. And, of course, we have the New Testament. Now there's a headline that Benjamin Netanyahu's son has defended the Jewishness of Jesus and even affirms that it's in the Bible. How does this headline look, Ron? Yeah, this is quite an amazing story. Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu's eldest son, Yair, who incidentally won the uh, Bible quiz in Israel, a national quiz two years ago, he responded fervently last week when a Palestinian-American provocateur repeated on Twitter the claim that Jesus was a son of Palestine. Now, incidentally, I've written extensively on this in the next uh, issue of the Christians for Israel magazine. It's quite interesting. But during what appeared to be a rather long Twitter discussion on Jesus' ethnicity, Linda Sassor, who has made a name for herself promoting an Islamist agenda in American politics, insisted that Jesus was a Palestinian of Nazareth and is described in the Quran as being brown, copper-skinned, with woolly hair. It was similar to a ludicrous announcement of Palestinian Authority leaders who have time and time again every Christmas declared that Jesus was the first Palestinian freedom fighter, the term they used to describe what the rest of us call terrorists. Yair Netanyahu was having none of it. Are you that stupid, he asked. Uh, He directed that comment to Linda Sassur, explaining to her that on the cross above Jesus' head was the sign Inri, which means in Latin, Jesus of Nazareth, King of the Jews. In other words, the Romans, who had ruled the region at that time, pretty clearly recorded that what was to become known as the Holy Land was home to the Jewish people. The Romans make absolutely no mention of any Palestinians, though they did later rename the region Palestina to taunt the Jews by referencing their biblical archenemies, the Philistines. Even more interesting in regard to young Netanyahu's post is that he informed Sassur that we know these things because they are recorded in the Bible. Now, we know that Jews don't typically consider the New Testament to be part of the Bible. But according to Yeah, the Bible says that Jesus was born and raised in Judea. A very interesting comment. Well, the thing that excites me about that, Ron, is that uh, what might seem quite unusual here is that everyone's trying to claim Jesus. And uh, that's got to be a good thing, ultimately. What are your thoughts on just a quick comment on that? Yes, well, I go back to Yasser Arafat, who years ago called Jesus a uh, militant, and now I see a politician in New Zealand uh, has declared that Jesus was a Palestinian, actually saying that Mary was of Palestinian descent. 
but it's very interesting if you read the Bible. In my article that I'm publishing in Christians for Israel magazine, I've looked at Jesus in the uh, Jewish feasts. Uh, what are Palestinians doing in the Jewish feasts? I don't know. I imagine there's connection because these days Bethlehem is in those Palestinian territories and uh, Jesus born in Bethlehem and, uh, of course, uh, raised in Nazareth. Is that one of the connections that's being drawn? Oh, yes, and and I've been to Nazareth many times and it's a a very Arab city and I'm very proud of the Christians who have the great uh, museum there and open it daily to hundreds of Arab children to go through and see the a story of the Bible. Uh, yes, but that's where the confusion comes. And uh, it's interesting that Islam has a great history of trying to re- uh, rewrite history uh, and re-engineering now the uh, background of Jesus. Actually, they also claim Abraham. Mm. Well, let's continue to talk about Arabs for a few moments because there's another headline. An Arab athlete is labelled a traitor for representing Israel. What's the story there? Yeah, and this story and the next one highlight uh, how there's an integration uh, between Jews and Arabs in some places. Hanin Nasir is an Israeli high jump champion. She's currently representing the Jewish state at the under-23 European Championships, and for that she's been labelled a traitor by some of her fellow Arabs. Among her most vocal critics are members of an Arab youth organisation based in Haifa, which has accused Nasser, who is a Muslim, of betraying the Palestinian people, and which petitioned to keep her from competing. On the group's Facebook page, it urged NASA to reconsider her participation in the European Championship as a representative of Israel. They claimed that NASA would be making herself a tool of the Zionists and be exploited to whitewash what they and other Palestinian apologists call Israel's institutionalized racism. After the group failed to contact NASA personally, they issued a public letter that was later picked up by the Israeli news portal Mekor Rishan. It read, We have received information that you intend to represent Israel in an international sporting event. While we are proud of you as an athlete, we are nevertheless shocked that you would represent the occupation regime, and we hope that you will reconsider so that the occupation regime is denied an opportunity to exploit your talents to improve its image. Those opposed to her competing this weekend tried to offer NASA incentives to spurn her Israeli identity. The Facebook posts were discovered by the Israeli organization Imtizu, which insisted that the Arab group had crossed the red line with its subtle threats against an Israeli athlete and called for legal action. Youth organizations should spread the message of coexistence but instead they spout empty slogans for separation, hatred and boycott, Intersue said. The Israeli Athletic Association said in response, there was no room for politics in sport, which it called a platform for uniting and bringing people together. We are proud of Hanin and happy that she represents us abroad and we wish her success 
at the championships. And Ron, that other story, you say there's a connection here. Uh, an Arab paramedic who saved an Israeli bride's life has spoken at the wedding. What's the story there? Now, I could put myself in this situation watching a Jewish couple stand under the hoopah uh, this week. An Arab Israeli took the microphone to account an amazing story to the guests. He began by making a shocking announcement. I met Shakar, the bride, after she died, he said. Ten years prior to the wedding, Shakar was involved in a serious car accident. The Arab paramedic explained that when he arrived at the scene, a doctor who had arrived there two minutes before him told him, don't bother touching the girl. In my opinion, she's already dead. Let's treat the driver. I told him, fine, you treat the driver, and I proceeded to try to revive Shakar. The paramedic recounted how Shakar was in cardiac arrest, and according to the protocol, the doctor was right, and her death should have been declared. But something from above told me that I needed to fight for her, as the paramedic explained how he performed CPR on Shakur for 10, 40 minutes as she lay in the car and wedding guests burst into applause. The police already announced on the radio that one person had died in the car accident. Shakar's parents heard the bit of news on their way from the north. We continued CPR on the way to the hospital, and at the entrance to the hospital, Shakar's heart began to beat. When I returned home that night, I had no hope. As I lay my head on the pillow, I thought for a moment that the angel of death may have beaten me, but I knew that even if he beat me, I did everything that I could to save Shakar. At the end, the angel of death didn't win. I must have done what was necessary because Shakar is here with us. The paramedic continued by saying that he wanted to thank Shakar, although usually the people he saves thanks him. Turning to Shakar, he said, I want to thank you, and I'll tell you why. People always ask me how I continue with my work when I see so much death all the time. The answer is here, Shakar. I continue due to you. I saved your body, but you saved my soul. Every time I think of difficult things I've been involved in, I remember you and your smile. Thank you, Mazel tov. I love you both, he said. <laughs> Uh, what a great story and a great balance of what's happening politically and also those personal stories. Uh, just tremendous today. Ron Ross, thank you so much for scouring the headlines overnight, bringing us our update today on those breaking news headlines from Israel and the Middle East. Ron Ross, appreciate you very much, and we'll talk again next week. Thanks for being with us today on 2020. Thank you, Neil. Before you go, thanks for listening. There's lots more great audio on demand, or you can listen to us live at visionradio.org.au. And remember, Vision is listener-supported. Your donation, large or small, will help us continue connecting faith to life for hundreds of thousands of people across Australia and around the world. Learn more or donate today at visionradio.org.au.